There's just so much more to hear. Download our podcasts at DubaiEye1038.com. Have you ever made a mixtape for a loved one? 40 years ago, a team of scientists, writers and artists, including the legendary astronomer Carl Sagan, did just that for the cosmos. Book of the Week, what you should be reading. Our book of the week on Talking of Books today is The Vinyl Frontier, the story of the Voyager Golden Record by Jonathan Scott. With us to review it today, we have the delightful Georgia Tolley. Oh, I like that. Good morning. Yes, we are delightful. <laughs> so... Basic information, the book was published the 21st of March this year by Bloomsbury. It's quite recent. Um, it's The book basically takes place around the 1970s. The idea is that NASA is sending two probes or spacecraft to the outer planets of our solar system. And after they reach their intended destination, they'll drift off into space for millions of years. And NASA basically wanted it to drift off with a meaningful message from humanity, a calling card, if you will, to any passing extraterrestrial that might one day come across it. And this calling card would become the golden record, which is what we will talk about in more detail. Those are the basics. For a little bit more information, and also just because he's got a wonderful voice, I'll hand over to astronomer Carl Sagan speaking about the record in an excerpt from episode six of the 1980 TV programme, Cosmos. Voyager's passage by Jupiter accelerated it towards a close encounter with the planet Saturn. Saturn's gravity will propel it on to Uranus. And in this game of cosmic billiards after Uranus, it will plunge on past Neptune, leaving the solar system and becoming an interstellar spacecraft, destined to wander forever the great ocean between the stars. And if Voyager should, sometime in its distant future, encounter beings from some other civilization in space, it bears a message, a phonograph record, golden, delicate, with instructions for use. And on this record are a sampling of pictures, sounds, greetings, and an hour and a half of exquisite music, the Earth's greatest hits. A gift across the cosmic ocean from one island of civilization to another. The record bears, in English, uh, an additional little handwritten greeting. It says, to the makers of music, all worlds, all times. Carl Sagan there speaking about the Voyager Golden Record in an excerpt from the TV programme Cosmos that aired in the 1980s. Georgia, because this this is a cool concept for a non-fiction book, it's an interesting subject and we will get into it, but this is talking of books. So first important question, how good of a read was it? Okay, so I'm not a normally a non-fiction reader. So this was quite an education for me to, to come to a sort of non-fiction book. And it is... You know, I think it's a guy's book, if I'm absolutely honest. A guy's book? What yeah. on earth do you mean by this? Well, it's sort of, there's a lot of facts. It's quite geeky. It doesn't sort of, um, it introduced a cast of thousands, which I actually quite struggled to keep up with. And it was it was at its best when it was describing the relationships between the sort of main personalities. And, and the main personalities were the people that got to decide what was going to go on this record. But there is no doubt that the premise of the book is hugely exciting. And it, and it whizzes through things. You know, it starts with the very first messages that were ever sent out into space, which were on Pioneer 10 and 11, which were two sort of probes that went out before Voyager. There, the message was just on a plaque with just pictures etched into it. And there was quite a lot of controversy 
Jesse because the um, the figures were naked, but they sort of didn't really include the female anatomy, which was very symptomatic of, of, of sort of the era and the sort of modesty of the era. Now I imagine things might be a little bit more descriptive say but um but it was i mean i mean it is you know he he whizzes through things and and the narrator you know um is jonathan's writing is very upbeat and very um you know it's not very highbrow it's just that there's a lot of facts to get in and i also found there's quite a lot of um uh, what do you call them when there's little little note notations? Sorry. Footnotes. Footnotes. You see, it's been an early morning for everyone. Uh, I found the footnotes really distracting. Sometimes the whole page could be taken up with footnotes. And I just wanted to get on with the story. I suppose that's symptomatic of a fiction reader. No, I don't think it is because normally I like footnotes, but I think there is an art to footnotes that people underestimate and I found myself skipping through these ones. I just stopped reading them and I because and, and ultimately that really in, added to my enjoyment of just being able to whiz through the book, move from one section, because basically you want to hear about how they came up with what to put on the record mm. and whether or not it was too America-focused, whether it was representative of both men and women of all the different countries. I note that there's there's no Arabic music on it, which is quite interesting. Uh, also, this was done during the 1970s, so there's actually no Russian input either because, of course, the Americans and the Russians weren't really talking to each other at that time. So it's just... I mean, essentially, it's given me a completely new frame of reference for a sort of conversation with someone you don't know that well. So instead of saying, who would you have at a dinner party? Who would you invite around for dinner? Now I'm going to say, what would you put on a record that you wanted to send to aliens? It's and the, I think it's, it's going to make me sound cool. It's a much better question than <laughs> how was your weekend, isn't it? Yeah, just imagine if you were going to send a message to aliens what piece of music would you put on? You know, what, what sound? Because it wasn't just music, this record. It also had the sounds of animals and humans and 51 different languages of people saying hello. Um, they also managed, I haven't quite figured out the science of this, but they also managed to put pictures on it as well. Even though it was a record, it was just sound. So somehow these aliens are going to also figure out how to translate sound into pictures. They're going to get this golden record. Hopefully they're more advanced than us, so it would be all right. I hope so. I mean, otherwise... It, They'll it's just all... use it as a frisbee to kill, you know, white wildebeest, alien wildebeest. Okay, I think this is the subject of your next novel. <laughs> so what I would also like to mention about this book is the fact that Jonathan Scott is an enthusiast. So he's, he's not approaching this from a science perspective. So I think that's important for understanding the tone of the book and if yes. this is something that you want to pick up. He approaches this from, somewhat, from the point of view of someone who loves mixtapes and the concept of putting something together that will represent you and a wider group of people and the mammoth task that that involves and, and what it says about us as, as human beings and the book begins with him talking about the first mixtape that someone made for him i still remember the first mixtape someone made for me it had three words written on the side in blue ink punk for jono and then he goes on to say that um Try to imagine it. Think of the pressure. What would you choose? You have an hour and a half to represent Earth's music. Plus, if we assume that you're going to make the very sensible decision to include the first pressing Stone Roses LP in its entirety, you <laughs> Do really... Do you see what I mean? Male. Very male. <laughs> <laughs> you really only have around 30 minutes left to play with. You've just alienated an entire cast of Stone Roses female fans. But okay. Um... There aren't that many. <laughs> Come on. But I've been to a Stone Roses concert. I was were you pretty outnumbered. I, it was at a music festival, and it was they were the, they were headlining. I, I was honestly the only female who who didn't choose that moment to go and get a hamburger. But the the wonderful thing about it is that it gives you a really broad perspective on the whole thing, doesn't it? Yes. So 
there are bits that I skimmed over that maybe other people would find more interesting. So there's there's science in there. There's the dynamic of the group, which at times was a little fraught. So- I love that. That was the bit I liked the most. Actually, was the dynamic of the group, and of course, the are we going to are we going to do the spoiler? We should we should do this work. So so two of the people who are deciding what should go on this mixtape basically fell in love while they were creating the mixtape. And one of the things that goes out on the, the, the record is the sound of the woman who fell in love, her brainwaves, the sound of her brainwaves. And well, the, the subjects that she thought about while they were recording her brainwaves included love. So you've got the sound of a woman who's falling in love thinking about love, which... It, which really captured my imagination. So the two people in question are Carl Sagan and Anne Droyan. Yes. I hope, I hope I'm pronouncing her last name correctly. And what they did was they sat her in a room for an hour, didn't they? And they said, okay, you need to... She, she didn't want to waste the time. She wanted about, to think about things that were important to her. She had an hour, so she meditated. And like you say, they are the brainwaves of a woman in love. And she's spoken about this because a few days prior, they had clearly been falling in love for a while working on the project but there was a phone call that happened out of the blue and they'd been in close proximity with each other working on this project they'd been in the same room and it wasn't until Carl Sagan picks up the phone and they're miles away on a phone call that he actually confesses that I think I like you and then that famous phrase that question for keeps is it for keeps is it for keeps and they put the phone down and then he rang back or she rang back and she said, does that mean we're getting married? And <laughs> then that's, that's, yes. that's lovely. That's and they'd never been together as, as a couple before. I think she is still seeing this other person. That Who's also on the team. Also on the team. Yeah. So if you're interested There's another in, story there. There's oh, a whole movie on that side. A, oh, never mind the rest of it. Yes. It's just wonderful. The, the way it sort of spins you through these different subjects. You know, it's space and astronomy, human relationships and what you would put on a record of the what you know I mean and, and it's so of its time it's so nice it's very typical of the 1970s that yes. you know you've got Chuck Berry and Johnny Be Good on it like now you know would there be Coldplay who, who would we have on it instead well that was my question if we were doing this now what would change yeah well there'd definitely be some Arab music on it I hope because there's not like there's Indian music there's Azerbaijani folk music uh, there's Beethoven but there's still a, like a really heavy western leaning I mean I suppose it was NASA doing it so you'd have to presume that but yes, I mean, if you had to, I suppose if we just isolated it to one sort of piece of pop music or rock music, what would go on it now? I don't know. Dot, Good dot, question. Dot. Yeah, <laughs> I leave that open. I, I mean, that's it the took, conversation, isn't it? It took them a few weeks to come up with what they came up with. So I think maybe we need a little bit of time as well to figure that one Some out. Some people have really, really strong feelings. And, and of course, it, it, it changes so quickly with each era. It changes and depending on where you're from and... Uh, you know, your your culture. It, it, I mean, it's just such a fascinating conversation. And to imagine these... And one of the things that the book encourages you to do is actually to imagine aliens listening to it. And I know it sounds silly, but to say it's not that stupid. You know, you've got people who statistically have done, have done the maths and figured out that there must be aliens out there. And it's quite possible that this Voyager probe could pass by quite close. I mean, it's only passing like 1.2 light years from a sun in 40,000 years time. And imagine if they pick it up and listen. 
The thing that I loved most about it, that this book, was that it's constantly posing that question and making you think about that in the context of what they're trying to do in the 1970s and what they're trying to actually put on this record. So when they're choosing pictures and images, it's not an easy process of let's just put a picture of a human being on there. There are so many questions and considerations. And one of the things that I took for granted, and it gives you an example of how much detail the book goes into, is simple things like scale. So we know what a centimeter is. We know what a kilometer is. And... We, we know how that could be represented on an image. So they had to come up with a way that extraterrestrials who don't have our scale of, of measuring things or understanding scale could translate that. So they had to come up with a key to represent that. So every single thing that you think would be simple actually involved hours and hours and hours of work just to make you know one image work and I like the idea of uh, so Carl Sagan who's the, the astronomer who sort of comes up with it all it's, so it's, it's about that, that idea of finding a language that the alien life forms would understand and one of the things why Carl Sagan was so enthusiastic about putting music on this was because he thought that it would give aliens a sense of how humans feel and in fact music is quite mathematical you can tell that I'm floundering here slightly, but therefore that it that it also gives uh, aliens the sense of the, of the way that it, that because maths is a common language, that therefore music could be a common language. And this was the first time that a message that had been sent out into the cosmos properly considered art and emotion, and I think that's why it's still such a talking point today. We've spoken about all sorts about this book, um, who we'd recommend it to, that it's quite in depth, but covers. It covers the subject in, in a depth that I think goes beyond the odd dinner party conversation that I've had about it. So if you're interested in the science behind it, in the team, the human story, I think we're particularly fond of. Yes. That might be more symptomatic of us as readers, though. I think that um, you and I would naturally sort of veer towards the relationships between it. Whereas I think maybe other readers might focus on the, the sort of history of messages into space. There's quite a lot of... And then there's quite a lot about the bureaucracy as well, about how they, how they came to make the decision of what should be on this vinyl record. Well, golden record, I should say. What is interesting about that as well is remember that this is happening in the 1970s. And I think this, it made me really take for granted the technology that we have here in the Dubai Eye studio. There's, there's a bit that um, Jonathan points out very obviously, but which didn't sink in until page 74 for some reason. All of this, this collation of sound clips might sound pretty straightforward on the surface, but Andrean was working without a computer. She had a phone, a pen and a notebook. There weren't any Google or YouTube to browse videos or sound files. Besides, if you've ever tried to track down the definitive anything, you'll know it can prove surprisingly hard. If you've ever done any picture research for a magazine, a blog, website profile or whatever, you'll know how it feels. You have an image in mind, an image you feel you've seen a million times in a million places, and then when you come to actually pick one that fits the bill, you just can't find it. Before you know it, you're using something that's not quite right. And while I've never compiled a sound essay, I assume the same problems arise. Yes, yes, that's very nice sounding frog. Have you got anything a little more froggy? So, <laughs> <laughs> and can you imagine if this is like, this isn't just a, a you know, frog sound for a radio program. This is the frog sound that you're going to be sending out exactly. into space. The definitive frog. Yeah. What does it sound like? I don't have the sound of the frog, <laughs> but I do have some of examples of the sounds that you can hear on the Voyager Golden Record. So just to clarify, it's split up into sounds of Earth, so sounds of animals, wind, rain, etc. It's also got a music section and it has a section of images. And sound-wise, it also has a section that is devoted to greetings in different languages from different cultures around the world. So have a listen to this. This is the greeting in Arabic. 
تحياتنا للأصدقاء في النجوم يا ليت يجمعنا الزمان Salutar la tuata lume. So she's saying greetings to our friends in the stars. We wish that we will meet you someday. I loved how different everybody's greeting was, mm-hmm. actually. That's a lovely part of the book. I love that it's a female voice because, of course, it's worth mentioning that the body of people that came to decide what was going to be on the, the, the record, there was only one woman and five men. And so it's quite nice that at least with the, with the greeting messages, you had, you had female voices as well. Yeah, I think, like you mentioned earlier as well, the fact that it was a NASA program meant that it, there was a very Western focus because yeah. it was a NASA project. Um, but also there was a lack of gender balance as well. And I think that if we were doing this today, we'd definitely be consulting a wider range of people. Mm. Um, there's also, just to give you an example, for a sound of Earth, a sound that we heard more than usual over the past few months in Dubai. Sound of rain and thunder. And of course, music-wise, the record ranged from the magic flute to Georgian folk song to this. So the sounds don't make this jump on the record. I mean, all the earth sounds are mixed together and the music is kept separate, but it gives you an idea of the breadth of content on the record. But there are all these wonderful little tidbits, aren't there? The fact that to get the greetings sorted, mm. the UN weren't able to do it themselves. They needed permission from the State Department. They were going backwards and forwards. And on the day that they were supposed to record, not everybody showed up, did they? No, it was a, uh, I mean, it was one of those classic things. As soon as you get bureaucrats involved, everything slows down and becomes slightly disastrous. Did you know that the United Nations now, there is a woman and it is her job to be the first person to speak to aliens should they land? That's her job. That's actually her job. It's, it's, it's detailed in her job description. She's involved with, you know, space and astronomy. But it'd be weird if she wasn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's like, no, she does farming. We just bring her in to chat to the aliens. And yeah, and, that, and it is actually her role that should they land, it doesn't go to President Trump. It doesn't go to any of the world leaders. It's her job. Well, she had a short-term contract, I wonder, or when does that come up again? You know, I'm gonna everybody's to go- going to be applying for that job. I need job. to Google it. It's such a cool job. <laughs> Let me find out her name. Um, but, um, yeah, it, I mean, it's absolutely fascinating. But So, so the, UN, the UN is the right body to go to if you're going to be talking to aliens. But nevertheless, in this circumstance, they didn't really make... I mean, they just didn't facilitate... There was a, so, so there was a really tight window for when Voyager could, let, could set off. And it had to be when the planets were lined up, basically. So Saturn and Jupiter had to be lined up because they were going to use the gravitational field of each planet to sort of slingshot them onto the next. Well done, Georgia. Thank you. You see, this is from reading this book. I'm now so intelligent. It's brilliant about space. Um, and, uh, and, and so there was a really tight window. So, so when they said, hang on a sec, we need to do a committee. We need to have further conversation about this. We need to work out how it's going to work out. And we know, you know, and millions of countries get involved and everyone gets tense and cross and said we should have been we should have heard about this years ago you know it's a message to from earth why did you not tell us about it and on one level thank goodness Carl Sagan could go no sorry guys tight window you just got to come up with it fast and then on the other side maybe slight arrogance from the Americans this is a message to the world and from an American perspective yeah it's their spaceship their voyager they should be allowed to do what they like but on another level why should they get to choose they're representing humanity exactly and I suppose 40 years ago, you know, the atmosphere was very different and their probably level of arrogance was very, very different as well. But one curious thing here, and I think, you know, here we are 40 years later talking about this. Um, interesting that it, it took this long, maybe in a way, 
to actually put this together. I know there was a kickstart campaign, I think 2017, that revived interest. But it is fascinating because I think we don't know what other things have gone up in space. We've got some records. I mean, the big focus is very much on the project and what it was all about. So I think this is a, a fascinating sort of side bar almost of what went on. It's really interesting. Where did you get, I think readers would be very readers. Here we are. I've just come from the book fair. I'm, uh, I've been reading for a few days. But the listeners, I think it'd be really interesting to maybe sit around and listen to these sounds. They might confuse the aliens. They'll probably confuse some of our listeners too. Yeah, you can. One of the good things that Jonathan Scott does in this book is he directs you to where you can have a look at the images. Um, you can listen to all of the greetings on NASA's SoundCloud SoundCloud page and I think if you go to the NASA website there's lots more information about it as well you can actually buy a copy of the Voyager Golden Record as well I think you mentioned Kickstarter I think that there was a Kickstarter page for producing um, an actual version of the Voyager Golden Record but it is available on YouTube you can listen to it on YouTube and by the way the person who's going to talk to aliens first the United Nations Office for Outer Space Affairs Director is Simonetta, Simonetta Di Pipo She'll be the first person to talk to the green men should they land. And everybody wants her job. (laughs) Yeah, I want to be Simonetta. Um, Thank you so much, Georgia, for joining us on the show to talk about The Vinyl Frontier by Jonathan Scott. There's just so much more to hear. Download our podcasts at DubaiEye1038.com.